And I know that you know that. But I want to encourage you that you understand the values of your church. What is important? The first and foremost important thing about a believer's life is that they have faith. They believe in God 
They believe in his ways, his counsel, his statutes, and his judgment. So, as a believer, as a member of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, come together. Let's grow in faith so we can please God and glorify him. We believe in building strong friendships, caring for one another, and watching out for our brothers and our sisters in our church family. We also believe in nurturing relationships in our workplace and our neighborhood so that we can win people to Jesus. The love we experience in our upward connection with Christ is the love we strive to share every single day because we value relationships. It is no secret around here that one of our top values is being a rescuer for Christ. You may be saying, Nicole, I don't know how to rescue somebody. What if they're broke? What if they need mended? That's okay. If they do, you're in the right place at the right time. Remember, it's not our job to fix anyone. That's God's job. But it is our job to share the love of Jesus Christ, like someone shared with you. Share love. Share your testimony. It'll work. Women become in an atmosphere of security. Men become in an atmosphere of honor. Because we cannot reach our full potential without each other. You're not pursuing your wife as the treasure she is with your whole heart, and you are missing out. Your wife needs and deserves your whole heart. Husbands are our treasure too. Whatever we put our effort to, Whatever we give our time, our resources to, that's gonna become the treasure in our life. You can experience your freedom. You can experience forgiveness that is not of this world. You're gonna experience it in his time, for his glory, but in the meantime, don't miss it. Good morning. <laughs> Let there be light. <laughs> I hope all of you had a great week, did you? I did as well. All right. Well, I want to welcome everyone here today to Only Believe. We're glad that you're here smiling and all happy and looking good, right? Uh, we also want to welcome the first-time guests. If you're here for the very first time, do us this little teeny tiny favor and look in the pew in front of you, in the back of that pew, and there's a card, a first-time guest card. And if you would be so kind to fill that out, and after service, just take it out to the uh, Welcome Center. That will help us get to know you. All right? Thank you so much for doing that. Then we'd also, I didn't forget you live streamers, we want to welcome you as well, but we wish you were here with us today. And I know, hey... I live streamed Jesse when I couldn't come last week. I live streamed Jesse and it turned out great. So I, I appreciate live stream and I know you do too. Uh, now, there is a prayer tree out in the middle of the Welcome Center. And on that prayer tree, pre <laughs> on that prayer tree, I'll get it here in a minute. Uh, hey, don't you be laughing at me. I heard that. 
uh, there's uh, people had put their prayer request. And listen, we're praying for 21 days here at the church. And it starts at, at 7 p.m. and we pray till 8 p.m. Just go and, and ask one of those ladies or guys and just say, hey, give me one of those prayer requests or you go take it off the tree, whichever one you want. And say, I want to take this and I want to pray for these people for the, tw well, the 21 days is already in effect. And the end of the prayer, uh, the 21 days, will be on the 24th of January. But we come here, listen, they walk the floor and pray. They kneel and pray. They lay on the floor and pray. I mean, we just have a great time. And it, it's, it's good. You just feel good when you leave. You know, and it's just, it, prayer accomplishes a lot. Everything. Everything you ask, all right? Now, there's going to be a miracle service on January the 31st at 6.30 in the evening. Bring, listen, if you've got problems in your life, just start using your faith and say, you know what, I'm going to get healed on January the 31st of this thinking problem that I have. I'm going to get healed. And when pastor calls you out or brings everybody down here, however God directs him to do it, don't be ashamed. Come forth. Get your prayer. Get anointed. Get your prayer and let God answer that prayer for you and get healed, okay? Miracle services are very important. And if you're not sick, use your faith for the, for the people that are sick, all right? Now, we need singers. We're going to have an Easter cantata. And we need sing, and not you, Pastor. He's just ignoring me. But yesterday, Lexi had went to Tennessee and, and uh, doing a little music thing and all this. And, and Pete said, hey, can I do one of those? Lincoln, me, and Lexi all at one time said, no. <laughs> so anyway, but we need people for the Easter cantata this year. So, if you would like to, if you can sing and you would like to participate, see, Regina, step out here. Do me a favor, honey. Come out here. Yes, her. This is the lady that you see. And you go see her about, say, hey, I want to sing, right? But not pastor, right? Don't you let him. Regina, you know he can't sing. Listen, she came to our house one time. He said, I want to sing. He said, Regina, come and teach me how to sing. And what happened, Regina? Do you remember? She's afraid to say it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He couldn't sing, could he? Couldn't carry a tune, could he? In a bucket. No. I'm sorry. Sorry, It is what it is. That's right. But, Regina, we thank you. You do this every year for us, and we really appreciate the cantatas. And she works hard, hard on these things, and they're beautiful. They turn out beautiful. So, thank you. All right, so that's the lady you see. So, you'll sign up at the Welcome Center or see Regina, all right, if you want to sing at the cantata. All right, who's ready to worship the Lord today? I am. All right.
calling us deeper into your love. Deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still. Into your love. And there is freedom. Oh, there is healing in this water.
I saw a vision of a day. But he didn't turn. I saw a vision of a dead corpse under the ground. And on top of it was our building blocks of our society. And the dead corpse is rotting. And the Lord would have me say that the only thing that can burn the corpse is the Holy Spirit's fire. So from the dorm room of college to the church and the, pul the pulpit in the church, light the fire to burn the corpse so we can start building anew and build what the Holy Spirit and the Lord would have us build. Amen. In Jesus' name. A couple of days ago, I was um, in my home, and I was praying, and God began to speak to me about judgment and all of these things, and I had this, this visual in my heart and in my mind, and out of my belly came a spirit of laughter and joy, because I thought when judgment comes, we understand that it's the great king over all the earth that brings judgment, but understand he's your father. He's your father that loves you. He's the father that has sealed you with his Holy Spirit of promise. And so when trouble and things are going on in the earth, we don't have to be afraid because our father has marked us. Our father has sealed us. Our father has protected us. He has sent his angels to guard over us, to watch us, and to keep us. So I want to encourage you today that perfect love casts out fear. Lift your eyes up to your father, which is in heaven. He sees you. He hears you. He knows every number of, of hair that you have on your head. So it's not a time to be fearful. It's not a time to fret, but it's a time to rejoice because your heavenly father, he sees all of these things and we can trust him. He's a good father. He's a good father. There's no darkness in him. There's no shadow of turning. So we don't have to fear, but we can come unto to him, we can rest in him and know that he will keep us, that he will provide for us, and that he is still on his throne. Amen. Um, I was going to sing this, but I decided to spare y'all. Um, I was covered over, we are covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. Um, we, how's that go? We're covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. We've been covered over with the precious blood of Jesus. Now he lives in me. Oh, what a joy it is to know my heavenly father loves us. So he gives to us Jesus. And when he looks at us, he sees not what we used to be, but he sees Jesus. In the beginning, I made a covenant with Adam, and Adam disobeyed. And then at Sinai, I made a covenant with my Jewish people, and they disobeyed. In the New Testament... I decided not to trust man. I went to my son. I made a covenant with my son. My son went on the cross and he bore every sin, every sickness, disease you could possibly imagine. And when we, if, if, not when, if we sin, we blow it, we mess up. 
The Father looks at his Son, and he knows that his Spirit is in us, and that his Spirit is going to turn us and lead us the way we should go, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.
The temple of the Holy Spirit is a body, a house of miracles. Do you realize that in you come alive? Come alive, miracles in me. Do you realize that the same blood that runs through his veins, Jesus, who did more miracles than any books that you could stack up in human history could ever account for, is in your body. Everything your friends need, prayer for the sick, everything your family needs is in your house of miracles, right? The question is, will we use has it become dead in our lives that we believe it's for the past? That we believe miracles are only things that were written about long, long ago? Or do we live in the present that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Who he was is who he is, who he is right now, and who he will forever will be. No matter what the situation, come alive in me. Amen. We are a house of miracles. Today it's offering time now. And I want to read to you out of Proverbs, the third chapter. It's not just one scripture, but it's many. Because I want you to glean it all. It says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. So when we obey, we live long. Don't obey, you live short. Just being honest, it didn't say that, but we can insinuate that's what it meant. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. It means marry yourself to them. Grab a hold and let them become a part of you. Let his word be in you. Write them up on the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. See, if you want favor in this life, then bind these words around your neck. Know what the word of the Lord is saying. Not just with God, but your boss, your neighbors, your friends. You want to find favor? Then do what the word says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In the area of finance, in the area of offering, in the idea of seed sowing. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We don't choose what we do and we ask the Lord to tell us. And then we walk his way, right? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. If we're just not wise in our own eyes and we cast it to him. But listen, honor the Lord with thy substance. That word honor means I want you to put some weight on what I'm saying. Listen, honor, this is heavy. This is weighty for what I'm telling you. But honor the Lord with thy substance. That means riches. Your riches, your wealth, whatever that looks like. For some of you, it may be $10 in your pocket. For some of you, it may mean 10000 For some of you, it may mean $10 million in the bank. And with the first fruits, and with the first fruits, 
of thine increase. Of all thine increase. That first fruits is where we, the church, gets our tithe, our 10%. Because when we give him what's his first, we don't consider that a light thing. That's heavy on us. That's a responsibility as a believer. We don't just, oh, yeah, 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 you're supposed to tithe. But, you know, we're, we're just not into that. No, because we put weight on what the word of the Lord says. Because that's trusting in him. And that's letting him lead the way. And that's giving us favor and long life. Do you see how it all backs up at the beginning of the scripture? So shall then thy barns be filled with plenty. But if you don't look through one through seven, you don't get the rest. You don't get the rest. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst over with new wine. My son and daughters, despise not the chasing of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. So here's what I want to tell you today. I want to encourage you that the word, number one, is the only truth that we live by. But number two, if we don't do the fullness of the word, and we only take the parts that we want the parts that we like, then it's just like ripping this page out and putting it in your pocket, and this is the only page you're going to live by. You hear the word all a lot. Keep thy commandments. That just doesn't mean the Ten Commandments. If you went through the Bible, there's hundreds of commandments. Hundreds. And the issue is, is that if you don't do this, you don't get this. This is the reward of being faithful and diligent and obeying. And when you obey... The Bible says to him, when you obey in little, then you're going to get much. It's how the word works. But if you don't work the word for yourself and know what it says and write them on your heart, then you're always going to be wondering, why doesn't it work for me? Why, when I do this, it don't work? Because you're only doing the parts you want. So that's from big sister to, 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 to all of you. Proverbs, the third chapter. It's beautiful. You should read it again and again and again. It's a life chapter about keeping the word of God. So let us pray today about our tithes and our first fruits. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. And Father, we honor you. We honor you. And Father, we put weight on what your word said. And that's important to us. Father, we choose to honor you with our first fruits. We choose to give you our substance. Father, whatever we have, we say to you, ask and we'll give it. Let us know, God, lead our hearts. Father, for we don't trust our own understanding, but we trust in you, knowing that your word will not return void in the area of our finances. Father, we receive it today. We claim it, and most of all, we mix faith with what we're giving today, knowing, knowing that what you've written is your word and it's the only truth that we live by. Now, Father, I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can bring your tithes and offerings. There's three ways you can give and also the missions offering is in the middle if you would like your monies to go overseas.
Hallelujah. Well, bless the Lord, oh my soul. A week of great transition in our nation. A week of confusion. A week that weakens people's faith in God. Where is God? Well, he's with us, so hallelujah. I'm going to be talking this month, starting today, on what's going on in this mess. <clears throat> today is an introduction, but it is something that needs to be said. 2021 will be a year of restoration, reward, recovery, revival, and increase. It will be. But what about this? What about that? Quit worrying about what about. Amen? Uh, we are people of God. And we live on the premise that God is faithful. Amen? <clears throat> so, let's go to Daniel, the second chapter, verse 19 through 23. Time as we know it is shifting. You may not realize it, but time is shifting. It is moving into a new dimension that we may not see in this world, but it is being orchestrated by God. The things that are taking place are being orchestrated by God. And I will say this, that nothing is complete until God completes it. Then it says in verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the Lord of heaven the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee, I praise thee, O God of my fathers, who hath given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. God belongs and manages times and seasons. Whether we like it or not, there are sovereign events that must take place. In other words, the word sovereign means that they are events that God has consulted no man about. He wasn't interested, nor is he now, in your opinion about what will happen. 
You may think he's just. You may think he has failed. But in God's sovereign design, he is who he has always been, will be who he has always been, but he will do what he has already declared to be done. For us to accuse God that things have went wry or that God didn't fulfill his word or we prayed and God didn't hear is simply a misunderstanding of who God is and what God is doing. Now, God gives you the desires of their heart, your heart as long as they are not contrary to his sovereign divine outcomes. And he will use whoever he has to use for the fulfillment of those. And God changes times and seasons because like when the time of their iniquity came about. In other words, there's a time that God will execute judgment against wickedness and against the ungodly. But it will be when he knows that there is no hope not when you think that they should be dealt with. Amen. Amen. And so we understand that God is a sovereign God. And there are things that are already appointed and already set that must take place. And so we are in this time where seasons are changing. And when seasons change or times are altered, people get antsy. They get very easily moved. And they begin to be tossed to and fro. Which anytime you're tossed to and fro, it rattles your brain. And you lose consciousness or awareness of where you are headed and what is important. And let's face it. Our life here, the outcome of America as though we wish it were so great, is very insignificant to God's sovereign design. Do you understand that? We are not eternally bound to America or its governments. Our allegiance belongs to one Jesus Christ. And it's not our will, but his will. And every man and every woman must someday visit their Gethsemane and stop putting their will in front of God's will. Amen. And so we as Christians sometimes think that everything's supposed to go our way. Well, if you consulted with God and that's his way, that's great. But you cannot manipulate the omnipotent God. He rules forever and ever, and to his kingdom there will be no end. One day America will be burned with a fire where there will be a new earth. You're right. It's going to burn like a rotten log. And God's will is going to be accomplished. Do not love anything, any man, any form of government, or any piece of soil 
more than you love God. If you secondary place God in your love value, then understand if you don't love him, he won't love you. All righty. So there are many Christians. Well, wait, let's go to uh, Exodus 19. And let's look at 14 through 17. This is talking about something that God gives unto Moses of how to rally the people and to cause them to follow God and to prepare for God's arrival. And know this, that we are not worshipers of Saul, nor do we desire a Saul man or government to be at peace with God. We do not think that a man is the answer. Jesus Christ is our answer. Amen? And it doesn't matter who rules a nation. It's that righteousness must rule in us. It doesn't matter who's in charge. I know that you think it might, but it doesn't. It matters that God is seated in the heart of every man, woman, and child. And our commission is not to fortify America. Our commission is to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. In Exodus 19, and let's look at verse 14, it says this, And Moses went down from the mount, unto the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass that on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud and upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet, every sound has in it a voice. This was a voice of the trumpet, exceedingly loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the neither part of the mount. In other words, Moses sounds the trumpet because the people are ready. And he brings them into the presence of the Lord. Now, we could compare that to lots of things in the Scripture, but what I want you to realize is that there has to be a sound, a voice that warns the people in order to prepare to meet their God. Yeah, hallelujah. But in the world that we live in just the last few years, Christians have become discouraged, disappointed, weak in faith. The outcome of things that we thought would go our way have went other ways. Many are confused by the activity of the last few years. We have seen unprecedented hatred 
and division brought to pass by both sides. Some think that their prayers have not been heard. Fasting has went unresponded to. But when I think of that, I think that God hasn't changed. He is still watching over his word. He does not lie. He does not move. And he is still faithful to another thousand generations. I want you to go with me, if you would, to John, the 11th chapter and verse 4. John, the 11th chapter, verse 4. And it says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness of Lazarus is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now when Jesus, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now let's go down to uh, verse 17. And it says, Then Jesus came, and he found that Lazarus had been in the grave for four days already. In other words, Lazarus has died. It looks like it's over. And if you look at what happens with Martha, you will begin to see something about her faith. Now, Bethany was nigh into Jerusalem, 15 furlongs off, and many, many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother and his death. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, watch this, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. In other words, her faith stopped working when she could see nothing except earthly evidence. That is much of the church today. They pray prayers and think God has never answered them. They fast and see nothing change and think that God has not responded. But Mary said, Martha said, but I know that even now whatsoever that will ask God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. Totally changed the subject. And the Son of God, which shall come into the world. Then she went her way and called Mary. Martha had 
a 21st century Christian faith. It was an acknowledgement of possibility, but a futuristic vision of when it would come to pass. But faith never puts anything off. Faith is a now substance. You have to believe that it has been accomplished despite all evidence that weighs against your conviction. Now, I know that you say, well, well, well he's dead. I understand that he's dead. But God is not limited by the events that take place in a world or in a life. He is only limited by the extent of our faith. And Martha's faith was this. Well, if you had been here, that's what Christians think. Well, you know, if, if God would have done something, it doesn't matter if you've seen God move. It doesn't matter if you've prayed yet. It doesn't matter. Faith changes the reality of what you see. Amen. And we don't want to continue in futuristic faith. She thinks everything's going to be all right when they get to heaven. I've heard people say this. Well, thank God she's healed now. Well, I understand that. But God's best was that she get healed here. Amen. Well, you know, praise God, when I get to heaven, I'll be debt free. Yeah. Well, when I get to heaven, I won't have to fight this old flesh. Yeah. But see, that's all futuristic. Your faith cannot be futuristic. Your faith must be now. You have to believe that it's possible and believe that God will do it. Now let's look at verse 21. I think, well, we already read 21 down through 27. Let's look at verse 38 through 44. And Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Here's Martha, futuristic. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, and he hath been dead four days. Always limitations, always excuses, always stops. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe that thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And, of course, we know the end of the story. Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man comes hopping out of the grave. Martha had a thought pattern that didn't expect anything other than what seemed normal. 
But notice this, that you may think that your faith has not been heard. Your prayers have not been answered. Faith or fasting has not got God's attention or has been seen by God. But I'm here to tell you that it's not over until you refuse to move the stone. Do you understand that? So no, it doesn't matter what the world does. doesn't matter what they proclaim. doesn't matter anything. You stand fast. Stand fast in what you have said and what you have done. You remember the story of a man called Jairus where he came to Jesus and he said, come and please pray for my daughter that she may live. She's right at the point of death. Another translation says, she's already dead, but if you'll come. Well, when Jesus said, I'll go, he heads off with Jairus and guess what happens? A man comes from the household and says, don't trouble the master. Your daughter is dead. How wrenching that was to Jairus' daughter. Now, he could have stopped, but Jesus speaks to him and says, only believe. In other words, keep the process of faith moving. Jairus could have just been like Martha. Well, you know, there's no sense in going now. She's dead. No, no. Because what you call final is never final until you refuse to move the stone. You say, but how can it turn around? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm so stupid about godly things that I don't even know how a seed turns into bones and bones turn into blood and blood turns into skin and Lo and behold, here comes a baby that tears everything I got up, takes all my money and all my time. I don't understand that. I, I don't know. You don't know either. The basic elements of creation you don't understand, but we believe in an eternal, everlasting, unchanging all-powerful God. Well, what will happen to America? Whatever God needs to happen. Well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Well, have at it. But the hand of man has never ever done anything better than the thought of God towards man. And I believe God is still going to be doing good. I believe he's still going to perform miracles. Now, I believe that there is a time and a season change in America and in the body of Christ as well as the kingdom of darkness. But we are not going to stop believing God, nor are we going to think that God has not heard us. 
He is a God of justice. He is a God of righteousness. And all of his ways are righteous and true. And as God has decreed it, it will be so. And in the decree is a consideration of you. Touch not the oil. Listen, God is on our side. Could I get an amen? Now let me say something about where what we need to do number one believers have two sets of eyes women have more you know I, I i think that mothers have eyes that can go around corners they can look behind them they see everything the only person that sees more than them is god amen I, i'm telling you they just see stuff they see stuff that don't even happen Phil's will look at me and say I seen that look I said no you didn't I didn't give you one yet I was just considering which one I was about to pull out so wait until it happens before you declare yourself God we have two sets of eyes one is earthly and one is spiritual very seldom do we use our spiritual eyes to see what God means at the moment that we are in. That's why Martha said, well, I know he'll rise at the resurrection. She could see the future, but she could not see what Jesus was saying. She even said, whatever you ask God, I know he'll do right now. So Jesus just asked God to raise Lazarus. She couldn't see it. She proclaimed it, but she had no faith in it. Numbers, the 13th chapter, talks about the 12 spies that go over into the promised land. We've all read that story. And there were 10 of them that saw with the earthly eye, but two of them saw with the eye of faith. And they saw it, if God be with us, this is what we can do. And we as Christians need to start using the eye of faith. Luke, the 10th chapter, Jesus said, I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. So you and I need to start seeing with our spiritual eyes. 2 Kings 6, 17, 18, that Elisha was there and his disciple was saying, oh my word, look at all these men. How are we going to overcome such a great multitude? And oh, Elisha said, God opened his eyes. When he beheld, there was a whole field of angelic beings. Angels are different than men. One angel one time went into a camp and killed 185,000 men in one night. What could 50 of them do? So Elisha wasn't concerned because he saw through the eye of faith. 
Where did his eye of faith come from? It comes from the touch of God, which means that God gives us enlightenment or shows us things that the natural eye cannot see. And when you see that, then you are convinced from the beginning of where you are to the end of what God is going to do. And once you see the end, you are unmovable. Aren't you? Absolutely, you are. So when one uses and develops his spiritual eye, and I'm going to talk to you about that, it enables him or her to see things that are not as though they are. What did Abraham speak? He spoke what God gave him to see. You will be the father of many nations. When he saw that, he spoke things that were not as though they were, but first he saw those things that were not as though they were. Now, how do we develop our spiritual eye? Everybody has one, but some of us, even as Christians, never use it. Do you know that every word or group of words has a picture in it? Amen? Uh, Randy, pay attention. Close your eyes, Randy. Big, black, toothless dog. Open your eyes, Randy. Did you see a small chihuahua? You didn't. What did you see? Big, black, toothless dog. So you saw what I said. Right? Okay. So when God speaks something to us, what is he giving? He's giving us a picture of where we are, but a picture of where he will take us by faith. It's like God gives seed to the sower, and he multiplies the seed that is sown. But how come people still see their need and still are oppressed or futuristic about what's going to happen. If you sow a seed, Jim, you're a farmer. When you sow a seed, do you expect a harvest? Why? Because you have saw on the package what that seed is going to give you. Right? Absolutely. When I seen Phyllis, she said, this is what you're getting. Ten years later, I said, that package was wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding you. Now, so when we sow a seed, how come we can't see 
a harvest or provision. Does it change the way you talk and the way you act? Yes. But too many Christians never see anything. They think that this is just like a story of black beauty. Yeah, they think this is a Walt Disney Star Wars book. This is the picture of the movement of God when faith is instilled. That's what it is. But if you can't see it, you will believe everything in your natural world. And so I'm, I'm trying to make this real simple. When believers can't or don't look with their spiritual eyes or look, God, what are you showing me? Then what happens is we become very earthly and futuristic. We expect nothing even though we are aware of Jesus' presence like Martha. Well, I know if you'll ask God, he'll give it to you, but let's go sell a, uh, go through the funeral stuff so we can have something to eat later, Jesus. She totally missed everything that she said. Why? She was making statements that were true, but she never saw beyond the problem. So when you don't see what you think is answered prayer, God has not failed you. Stand. Put up a fight. Dig a hole and bury yourself up to your knees so you can't be moved. Take a stand and refuse to take no for an answer. But you don't know. I don't want to know. You just simply have to see what God said he would do. Set the journey and loose God by faith. And it will be the way that God said it would be. Amen. Too many of us lose our hope based on the evidence that is contrary to what God said. But if you could see, if you could see the activity of God, if you could look through the eyes of your spirit, look at the word of God, meditate it, think about it, and pretty soon your whoop-over is going to go over. Whoop! There it is. You're going to see something. You'll say, oh, I never did. How many of you put to, ever put together a swing set? How many of you ever got it right the first time? You didn't? Absolutely not. That's why I call David every time I'm doing the deer stand or anything else. I say, David, put this together. Because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to try to rebend, remold, break, hammer, smash things, and then he's going to, I'm going to do it, and it's going to be like this, and I'm going to say, that's good enough. Prop this leg up. Look, I am not a put-togetherer. I am a user. 
I use what David puts together. Not that it's safe, but I do use it. God's promises is his voice. And when they are looked at, meditated, they give life to the spiritual eye. And so when we give ourselves over to meditation and thinking about that, what happens is these spiritual eyes come forward and they see the end from the beginning. They see things that are not as though they are. I was, uh, two or three weeks ago, I said, well, you know, God, I'd like to have this. He said, well, why don't you believe for it? I said, oh, man, you know, that's, uh, I don't know, that's pretty big. He said, well, get out of your little self. And I said, okay. So I started believing God for something. None of your business what it is. And it's not even Phyllis's business. I haven't told her. It has nothing to do with Phyllis. It has to do with me and God. But the other day, after about three weeks, all of a sudden, I was taking time every day to worship God and to thank him for him doing what I had asked and all that. All of a sudden, I saw a picture of it. I saw it. Whoa. Well, now you can't steal that from me. You can't steal from it because I already saw it. So that's what I'm talking about when you meditate or when you think upon the scriptures. The scripture becomes a light. How many of you know that when a light is put onto a running film, it projects what is on that film? Well, that's what happens when you think about the word of God. It shows you what is going to happen. So, hallelujah, I figured this is a good time right now to give you a stretch break. Stand up and stretch. There's a lot of information coming, and I'm about to wrap it up here. Hallelujah. David, don't scratch your neighbor. Sit down. Hallelujah. David's up here rubbing Sharon's back. What do you mean? All right. Now. The church must not be silent in this season. Silence is no more than a surrender to what is in motion. If you want to stop a storm, you're going to have to open your mouth. Not in a negative way, not in a double-tongued way. You talk what God says and then you curse men or talk against men or tell how bad it is. Listen, your tongue is not supposed to be bitter and sweet water. Choose what you want and stick to it. Amen. But if you want to see good days and length of life, then you're going to have to keep your tongue, 1 Peter 3.10, from speaking evil. 
You're just going to have to stop being negative. Hallelujah. Now, we need not to be silent. You and I must put the Word of God into our lips and let it loose into this earth. For there is a voice for this season. There is a voice for this season. And if we don't speak it and deal with the demonic ramification just as Jesus did in his temptation, we are not going to see anything different. Believe it or not, the devil is still afraid of the church. Let's go to uh, Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah uh, 55 and verse 8. You know, we are commanded not to let our hearts be troubled because then our vocabulary becomes unstable. You ever talk to somebody that that says something, say, oh, yeah, I know that, yeah, yeah, I believe God, I believe God, and they turn right around and talk like the devil owns them. What is that? That is simply your heart being troubled. But Jesus said, don't let it be troubled. Stop it. Grab hold of it. Put an anchor down. Say what I said and refuse to be moved. All right, Isaiah 58, 55, verse 8, it says this. Now watch these words. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, because they're for the earth. They're for the earth. But watereth the earth, and maketh. Somebody say maketh. Somebody say maketh. Maketh. It bring forth bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my, somebody say word. word. So realize that God's ways and God's thoughts are found in his word. And then it says this, that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead, what's this? Instead, instead of thorns shall come up fir trees. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. 
And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now what does that tell us? That God gives us his thoughts and his ways and they are contained in his word. Now his word is like a seed. It comes in to our heart and then we sow it by saying it. And it will prosper. In other words, there's nothing more powerful than a spoken word. Remember the centurion? Speak the word only. Because there's nothing more powerful than your authority expressed in words. Now, the word of God has a purpose. Somebody say a purpose. It is sent forth to prosper you to change briars into myrtle trees, barren places into oases, but it's given to you. Somebody say to you. And the word of God is filled with God himself. But it is not declared or spoken, it will fulfill nothing. A seed unsown produces what? Nothing. It doesn't even create a hole in the ground. There's nothing wrong with the seed, nothing wrong with the word of God. It is the sower that has to open their mouth. All right. Now, I kind of want to change into a direction. Let's go to Ezekiel 37, 1 through 12. Is Ezekiel a prophet? Really? Where is that in the Bible? Ezekiel is the son of a Levi. He's really not declared a prophet. He is the son of Levi, and his, pronoun his most pronounced name is the son of man. He's called the son of man more than anybody else in the Bible. Yet, he becomes a mouthpiece for God. And it says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, hey, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And he said unto me, prophesy. Somebody say, he didn't say you're a prophet. Okay, didn't say you're a prophet. We're going to come back. And up on these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, 
Hear the word of the Lord. Then saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you, and will bring upon up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, knee bone to the thigh bone, and the thigh bone to the yeah, bones to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinew came upon the flesh and came upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, O son of man, said, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and they lived and stood up on their feet exceedingly a great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost for we are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, O my people, I will open your grave and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now let me ask you a question. Did that happen that day? Nope. Absolutely not. Did Ezekiel see the end of his prophecy? Yes. He saw it with the spiritual eye. But I want you to notice something. Wayne, will you go to... Uh, oh, Wayne is not... Okay, who has a computer that has a uh, strong concordance in it? Okay, Nicole. Go to uh, Ezekiel... 37 and verse 4. 37 and verse 4. Now look up that word prophecy. Wait, wait. It means to do what? Come up here. By inspiration, prediction, or simple discourse, prophesy, make self a prophet. When you take the word of God that he gave to you and I, just like he gave to Ezekiel, and you see the end from where you're at, you will declare what you see. 
And God needs for you and I to begin to declare God's will in this world. Now, when the Holy Ghost shows us things, he teaches us a supernatural language. Now, one of those supernatural languages is that we speak things that are not as though they are, but another language is a language of the prophet. Not that you become a prophet, but you speak as a prophet for yourself. Now, having said that, the Bible says, being in the Spirit, walk also in the Spirit. In other words, we are spiritual beings. Amen? Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to show you this. I'm, I'm really trying to wrap this up. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 32. Some of you are saying, my head is spinning. I know it. And it says, let the prophets. Somebody say prophets. prophets. The prophets are an office. It has more to do with not just saying, but demonstrating. They are people that instill revelations from heaven, and they are an office. But not just because they prophesy, but because of other characteristics in their life. And it says, let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that saith by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that ye may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Notice that right in the center of the office of the prophet is this, you may all prophesy. Now, it doesn't mean that you all become prophets. It means that you will prophesy. When a prophet speaks, he reveals the secrets of a man's heart. When we prophesy, we are speaking God's word to a situation. Now, Nikki, look up that word. Look up that word. Prophesy right there. First uh, Corinthians, the fourteenth chapter, verse thirty-one to thirty-two. Oh, you already got it. What's it say? What's it say? To prophesy, to be a prophet, speak forth by divine inspiration to predict. What does a promise do? It predicts the outcome of your situation. The Bible says in Zechariah 4, 6 through 8, it's not by power, not by might, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. And then he says this, begin to declare to the mountains, grace, grace. In other words, make a decree to change what is there. Acts 14.2 says that this Bible is the word of grace. 
So what are we to speak to the heavens and speak to forces that are contrary to God, to mountains that are against us? What are we supposed to speak? Boy, that is a big mountain. No, we are to declare. Somebody say declare. In other words, when you take the promise of God and put it in your mouth, there is something supernatural that transpires in the deposit. And there is something that supernaturally transpires when you declare the word of grace to mountains. So I would encourage us to stop the negativity, the whining, the doubt, the confusion, the discouragement, the dismay. Please stop. Your mountains are growing. Your enemies are digging in. Your adversaries are moving forward. Stop. And begin to declare what the word of the Lord has said. If you have a mountain, begin to say it. Begin to say things like this. I prophesy. I prophesy. My family shall be saved. They will come unto the Lord and they shall dwell in the house of God forever. Say that. Prophesy. Prophesy to your need. Prophesy. I am a seed sower. It has been multiplied. It's coming into my bosom. From men and women are delivering it unto me. I am blessed of the Lord. He meets all my needs according to his riches in glory. What will God do? He will do what he did for Ezekiel. He'll rise up and he will perform that which you prophesy. You prophesy death, you'll get death. For those of us that think maybe God has not heard our prayers, start declaring what you prayed for. Did he not say, if you ask in my name, he will give it thee? We think that God hasn't changed things. God hasn't done something. Begin to declare what you were believing God for. God had a nation born in one day. God transformed deserts into oases. God fed over two million people with quail for 30 days. God caused water to come out of a rock. Is there anything that God cannot do? No. But he cannot make you use his word. He put a word in Ezekiel's mouth. And he's put 66 books into your mouth. The word prophesy is that when you begin to do it, declare to the heavens 
They hear you as a prophet. And we read that. I, I didn't make that up. We read that. That's what the word means. The prophet, the office is a prophetic office. It's entirely different. It reveals the secrets of men's hearts. But when you take the word of God and put it in your mouth and make yourself a prophet to your problem, you don't have to know the secrets of the heart. You have discovered the secret of the promise. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody uh, has like a, I don't know if it's a pinched nerve, a pulled nerve or something in your neck, and uh, it is really painful for you, and you've had that for a while. I think it might even affect your movement of your shoulder. Who is that? That's you. Raise your hand up. All right, come on up here. Hallelujah. Also, if, you have, if you're here and you have a shoulder problem, please come up. You can't lift your arm or anything like that. Please come up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, uh, can you move your arm? No, oh, okay. All righty. Nerve? Okay. Nerve? 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 Okay. All righty. The rest of you are shoulder problems? Praise God. All righty. Lift your hands up towards heaven. You know that it's only God that can do this. If I could do it, I'd be living in the Bahamas. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I curse right now. Hallelujah. I command this nerve in the name of Hallelujah. Jesus to be moved back into its right Hallelujah. place. In Jesus' name, yeah. loose her right now. Let her go in the name of Jesus. Now check yourself. Tell me what you got. The tingling is gone. The tingling has gone. Okay, there you go. Which shoulder? In the name of Jesus, I command this nerve right now. I command it in the name of Jesus. I command you to go back to the rightful place. Come out right now in Jesus' name. All right, check yourself, Joan. Now I command this nerve right now. In the name of Jesus, I command you to loose her. Be thou made whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. All right, what do you got? Well, let's get rid of it all. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Hallelujah. I command right now all this swelling in Jesus' name, this nerve to go back to its rightful place. Come out of her right now in Jesus' name. All right, check your neck. Check your head. Good. Good. All right. What, Ella, in the name of Jesus, I speak right now to this nerve. I command it in the name of Jesus to be, oh, in Jesus' name, come out of her. All righty. Uh, let's finish Jesus. A nerve mat or just a shoulder? In the name of Jesus, I command this right now, this pinched nerve, I command you to come out of him and let him go in the name of Jesus. Oh, wow. In the name of Jesus, I curse the damage on this rotary cup. 
I command it in the name of Jesus. I loose the working of miracles. I command all limitation, restriction, and pain to come out of her. And God, this nerve that is pinched in this right side, I command right now this nerve, God, to be uninflamed. I command it to go back to its place in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Check yourself, Clinda. Tell me what you got. I still have pain. Huh? I still have pain. All right. Okay. In the name of Jesus, I command all this pain. You devil, come out of her and let her go. God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen. It's loosening up. It's loosening up. Okay. All right. You stay right there. What do you got, Jim? Right shoulder. I command in the name of Jesus all this pain and this limitation, God. Right now, I command it to come out of him and loose him in Jesus' name. Okay, take it up, Jim. Tell me what you got. It hurts? Okay. In the name of Jesus, I command all this pain right now, God, in this shoulder in Jesus' name. Was that shoulder fractured? No, I had rotator cuff few years ago hmm in the name you had it replaced no I had a surgery on it about 20 years ago and then I re-damaged it about two two or three weeks ago I command right now God I loose the working of miracles into all of this pain this damage in Jesus name and I thank you for it amen and amen see how you can move it Jim Okay, is that further than you had? Oh, I could raise it sometimes. I'd have to bring it up here just to help me relax. And then I just can't do anything with it. I can't even lift anything with it. Will you go home and do dishes now? No. No? <laughs> I'm telling you what. I had a bone that's fusing together where they put that. A bone is fusing together? Yeah. They put some um, metal in there. And it's fusing together and caused me a lot of pain and no movement. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I command right now, God, this thing to be loose and to operate normally. In Jesus' name with no pain. Amen and amen. There you go, Thelma. Check yourself. Tell me what you got. That's In the name of Jesus, right now, I command you, you devil, loose her. In Jesus' name. Okay, tell me what you got. Okay. How's that? That right there? In the name, loose it. In the name of Jesus. Okay? Tell me what you got. Okay. All right, there you go. All right, what What have we got, Candy? We don't know. They're doing an MRI. I've had two injections, and it, it's limiting when I try to get dressed. He thinks it might be rotator cuff. In the name of Jesus, I curse God to damage this rotary cup. And in the name of Jesus, I command all this pain, this limitation to come out of her right now. Loose her in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we can't ask you to put your clothes on while you're here. So, uh, but. I have trouble going backwards. And, and I don't have any strength. I mean, I feel it. Still, but it's not too bad. I can't go up. 
But you can put it clear back there. I can put it up. I just can't get dressed any higher than this. Charlie help you? No. That's why you're always late. All right. Now, why? Soreness from work. In the name of Jesus, God, I curse all this pain in this shoulder, and I command it right now to loose him. God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, check it, Lee. Uh, are you still doing wheelies? Oh, yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> huh? That's better, yeah. Stop doing wheelies. No wonder you. Oh, in the name of Jesus, all this pain right now, you devil. God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now, you still got pain? I don't have as much pain. Okay, still, all right. Snaps. Good deal. Severe tendonitis from the end of my skull further down to my shoulder, and I've had injections, but it also goes down my back, and it pulls ribs out. Man, yeah. well, that, in the name of Jesus, I command right now this tendonitis. God, I curse it. I command it to come out of her, and I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, oh, it just popped. Just popped? Yes. Well, good. Go home and pop. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. I curse God. I command this wrist to come back into place. And I command this neck, this nerve in the name of Jesus to come out of her right now. God, I loose the working of miracles. Amen and amen. Neck still sore. Your neck is still sore. In the name, Mark, quit pinching her. I, all right. In the name of Jesus. I command this nerve, this inflammation to come out of her right now in Jesus' name. Injured it during helping my husband, my muscles. Your, your husband? Mm -hmm. Really? <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I loose right now the working of miracles into this shoulder, into this muscle area. I command it right now to come out. And God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen. I see you stepping across. It's not a wide creek, but you're stepping across a creek. You're stepping into something new. It's a place that God has been calling you to. It seems strange. There are too many things pulling you on this side that you don't want to cross over. But the Spirit of the Lord would say, Come unto me, saith God. Take a step. And though it be unknown, I will be with you. And where you place your feet, you will prosper and you shall grow. And you shall take root and bear fruit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Both of them? Well, they did, redid this shoulder. This one was done like 10, 10 years ago, but it froze. And that's when I went to lift that that day, remember? And I had the Popeye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
In the name of Jesus, I curse God right now. These rotary cups and all this pain, I command it in the name of Jesus. God, let them function normally for your glory in Jesus' name. Come out of her, and I thank you for it. Amen and amen. What do you got, Tammy? It's like when, when you were praying and I had my hands up, I was feeling my arm being able to go up higher and higher than I was been able to do. Oh, there you go. And it's like, I can just feel God has just been healing my arm. And I've suffered with this for a really long time. Well, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God. Where at? Both of them? Shoulders. Mm -hmm. Good night. And my arms are getting weaker. In the name of Jesus, I command Thank all of this inflammation, this. God, yes. all of this restriction, I command it in the name of Jesus to come out of her right now. Hallelujah. And I loose it in Jesus' name. What you got, Gary? Got shoulder problems of some kind. Go to, go to sleep and wake up with so much pain I can't hardly take it. Well, that, you then need I, to watch who's sleeping it, with I, you. Get him yeah. in another room. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I command right now, God, all of these nerves that run into these shoulders, these arms, God, in the name of Jesus, I curse it, and I command it to come out of him. Now, God, I loose the working of miracles. Let him sleep, the sleep of the righteous, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. What do you got? You are too young to have problems. <laughs> I know. So I have it in my shoulder. I've had it for about a week now. And I don't know what happened. I just woke up with it. Don't go to sleep. What are you? <laughs> in the name of Jesus, I command this pain. I command right now this catching. I command it to come out of her in Jesus Christ's name. And I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Lift it up. Tell me what you got. Well, Lord, that's good. Hallelujah. Shoulder blade. A right shoulder blade. I command this right shoulder blade in the name of Jesus, all this pain, this catching, this inflammation, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her right now, looser in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for it. Now move it, Amy. Tell me what you got. Actually... Actually, it's better. <laughs> Good deal. What do you got, Deb? Um, I've always had it in the, the nerve. And the I curse right now, God, this inflammation and this inflamed nerve. I command right now this nerve. In Jesus' name, I command you to come out of her right now, God, and I loose the working of miracles in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Check yourself, Deb. My range of motion is better. I well, you're, used to oh, not be able to do better that. better than I do on a good day. <laughs> what do you got, Bill? I have a little loss of flesh and everything. That's definitely a soreness in my shoulder. And it causes numbness. In the name of Jesus, God, I curse the root cause of this numbness right now. I command this inflammation and this nerve to be healed in Jesus' name. And I loose the working of miracles. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Left one. Elbow, left uh, shoulder, right? In the name of Jesus, I curse God. This shoulder pain, 
problem, and God, I lose the working of miracles. Oh, God, for your glory, and I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Go ahead, Bob, move it. Yes, yeah, I can move it. Yes. Well, I can't take away the stiffness. No. You're going to have to do dishes, vacuum, that, that kind of stuff will loosen that up. Oh. Okay? Don't right. tell. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, give Jesus a round of applause. He is, hallelujah, the healer. Hallelujah. Let's everybody just lift our hands up towards heaven. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. Uh, Dakota, could we have that song, uh, uh, nothing is too hard for him or uh, impossible. Uh, ye... Oh, yeah. What, what can't you do? Is there anything that he cannot do? Come on, Dakota, you know it. Oh, is there anything that he can't do? Okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. I knew what it was. I just couldn't convey it to you. We're going to dismiss with this song. Let's stand our feet. Hallelujah. Now, before they start this song, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, Jesus is here for you. He loves you. He died for you on the cross. He shed his blood that you could be forgiven. If you're here today and you say, I am not ready for heaven. Jesus is not Lord of my life, but I, by my own free will, I know that I need him. I need to be saved. I need my sins washed away. While we sing this song, I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to ask you, if you're not a Christian, please step out into the aisle and come down here and let me pray a prayer with you. And then we will see you on Wednesday night where I'm preaching revolution. There is no shadow that could ever overcome your light. There is no rival that could ever